celebrate this awesome Mother's Day. Now, I, I just think it's pretty amazing that, uh, that spring came in time for Mother's Day. Now, I, amen. I think we had our doubts a couple weeks ago, but God is good and he's provided to, for us. And again, we just want to honor all of the ladies in our, our life, the moms that we have the moms-to-be, the future moms, and those who have been like mothers to us, because I don't know about you, there are many people that have impacted my life, many ladies that have impacted my life, from my own mom, my my mother-in-law, my stepmom, to just people that spoke into my life in different places. And and again, I just want to say thank you. You see, the I believe that the impact of these ladies' lives and our these ladies. Um, impact that they have on our lives is immeasurable, and we wouldn't be here today without you. Now, as we celebrate moms in our lives today, how many would agree that there are some things, maybe a few things, that women maybe do a little bit better than men? Okay, it's probably... I hear a few amens out there. And, uh, now, my list, I know, is, uh, is I've got a few points, and it's probably not as exhaustive as it could be. But here's just a few things that I want to highlight today. First of all, that ladies tend to notice the details way better than us guys do. Uh, we, they see changes in a person's appearance. They know when uh, somebody's got their hair done differently or there's a, they bought a new outfit or new clothes or, or even uh, they've lost a few pounds. Ladies are really good about the details. See, my wife can tell what I had for lunch when I walk in the door just by the smell of it. She knows, you had tacos today, didn't you? Or, or, or I know that you went and had Vietnamese food, and you didn't invite me. I had a sandwich today. I can just tell. As well, they're aware usually when something has changed in their environment. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's, it, I, I believe, and I know with my wife, it's like, it's like she can feel a disturbance in the force. It's like, you did something that I wasn't aware of, but I am aware of it. I want you to know that. They can usually find things that we can't, like keys or socks or damage to the closet wall. You notice small things like that. You see, when I look for, when I look for my stuff, it's easy for me to miss those things because I'm too much in a hurry to siphon through the details, and I know that I probably wouldn't even look the way that I do today if it wasn't for my wife. Uh, I even think about the best man in my wedding party. Um, I'll never forget the day that we were, my wife and I were getting married and uh, that we were staying at uh, our apartment and, and my best man started running frantically through the house going, where's my bow tie, where's my bow tie? And I said, uh, uh, it's on your neck. We miss things like that sometimes. How about this? Uh, women tend to be better listeners, uh, they live for details. They, they like to know all of the things that are going on. They want to feel the moments because here's the truth. It is in the details is where you get to know the person and the situation. I know that when I share something with my wife, she will be ready usually to listen to me. The problem is many times that, you know, I can be a little bit distracted by the game or my cell phone and I I forget to listen or I, I fail to give attention to the details that matter so much in a relationship. Now, 
I, would, I found this, I, I remember this scene from a movie. Now, this is a very silly movie, but um, there's a movie that was called Dumb and Dumber that came out in the 90s. And there's a scene where Lloyd asks his friend Harry why his relationship with his wife failed. And, and, and here was his answer. He goes, I'm not sure. She said, I really never listened to her or something. I can't tell you as I really wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Maybe you feel like that sometimes. I also believe this, that women can endure more pain than us guys. We're supposed to be big, tough, and strong, but you ladies are really the strong ones. Uh, I, I, when I think about what you go through to give birth to a child, it, it's an amazing thing to me. I mean, uh, it's like shooting a watermelon through a keyhole. It's like, how do you do that? It's like incredible. You know, I remember when my wife was, was giving birth to our, our first child, and, and, and I was in the hospital with her, and... and what was sad is, and I've shared a little bit about this before, but it ended up being that, that I almost passed out just watching her give birth to a child. I had more nurses taking care of me than were taking care of her. It was not a good situation. But here's the reality. Here's one of the things, and we're going to focus more on this today. The thing I think that women tend to do better than us men is that they put others before themselves. There's nothing a mom would not do for her children, am I right? You see, it's in your nature to be giving and nurturing. Why? Because you have a greater tendency towards selflessness. In the book of Philippians, Paul encourages us to put others first. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 2, if you would turn with me there today. We're going to look at verse 3, and if you have your Bible, it would be great if you would open there, or you can follow along on your device. If not, we have the screen here, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, and here's what Paul says to us. Listen to this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God. He has something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Wow, that is an amazing thought, isn't it? You know, when I, 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 I listen to this scripture and I think about my own life, one of the realities that I face is that it's hard not to be selfish. I, I realize that when it comes to the things that I want in life and the things that I, I desire in life, sometimes I'm not always good at thinking about others like Paul admonishes us to in Philippians chapter 2. And when I think about why that is, I, I, I think it's something that is just born into us. I mean, when we come into the world, what are we doing? We're screaming for food and warmth, and, and then something strange and wonderful happens to the people around us that when we scream and we cry, they do exactly what we want them to do. It's an amazing thing. And it's a crazy thing. We quickly learn that whether we are tired or hungry or dirty or feeling a bit lonely, all we need, all we need to do is put on the waterworks and bring the tears and people respond to us. Life is pretty wonderful. 
And I hope, and you hope, and we all hope that it doesn't change, but life does happen and it does change. And my point is this, that the desire to do things our own way comes naturally. We don't have to work at it, it's just who we are. But here's what we need to do, that sharing and caring for some others is something that takes time and is essential for healthy relationships. I like to share this when I think about my life and what's happened to me and to many other people's, that one of the beautiful things about getting married, if I can be honest here, is that it really exposes just how selfish we can be. You've got two lives and two people that have different dreams and different desires. And, and I don't want anybody to think for a minute that I don't think marriage is wonderful. But the reality is that you have these two individuals that are on this collision course of life. And it isn't always pretty. Am I right? Because we want our own way. And, and so what marriage many times does is it exposes inside of our hearts this selfish nature that we have to, val- that we have to deal with. And then something else wonderful happens. A little bundle of joy comes into our life. And so now not only has our selfishness been exposed, but that pretty much just deals with every last ounce of selfish desire that you have when all of a sudden you have a kid that's waking you up and and needing you to pay attention to it and changing diapers. And if you're really a family that works together, it's not an easy thing. In Philippians 2, Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't look only after yourself, but look to help others and serve others because that is the example that Jesus gave to us when he humbled himself and died on the cross. I want to say this today. Jesus became nothing so that you and I could experience everything. When I read this scripture, I cannot help about Uh, Think about every mom that I know. You see, mothers are some of the most selfless people on earth. And I want to say this to you who are moms here or who work with people or who are mother to people. It's a hard job. When I look at moms, I see this. They give whatever they have to make their families better. They endure mounds of laundry, piles of dirty dishes, messy living rooms to raise their, ch- uh, their children, and many times giving up successful careers or delaying for a season or sometimes even a lifetime dreams to invest in a great calling, the raising of future champion kids. C.S. Lewis made this statement. He said, children are not a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. Today, which should be every day, we honor you, ladies here in this house. We honor you as moms and moms-to-be and those who have a heart for moms and those who are moms to people that aren't even their own. That, that We honor you for your love, your sacrifice, the, that you are willing to invest in the lives of, that have invested into our lives and into the lives of our children. You are truly a reflection of Jesus and what it means to lay down your life. And I want to say this today, that I personally thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you're thankful today, let's give all the ladies in here and the moms just a hand here today. Now, even though it can be hard, I want to give you this encouragement. 
Maybe you're a mom today that's kind of struggling through those younger years where there's more messes and it seems like just, ah. It says the Stephanie Precourt says, there will be many times that you feel you have failed. But in the eyes, heart, and mind of your child, you are super mom. In the book of 2 Samuel, there's a story of an amazing mother who was named Rizpah. Rizpah faced one of the most difficult situations that any parent can face, the loss of a child. Or in her case, the loss of two sons. Before I dive into this scripture, I, I, I want to acknowledge that for some of you here today that you experience on this day pain because you have lost a child. Maybe you've experienced a miscarriage at some point in your life, or you've wanted to have children and have been unable to have them. I want you to know today that I pray, I pray for you, and that in those moments of pain that God's comfort and blessing will be your portion, because God loves you. You see, from all accounts, we find when it comes to Rizba that her husband was dead. Well, he was dead because he was King Saul. And her two boys were all that she had left. When we look at 2 Samuel 21, I want to read this, and it's a little bit of a lengthy portion of Scripture, but there's some things that I want to draw out about a mother's heart and, and what I believe God wants to encourage you today. In verse 1, it says this of chapter 21 of 2 Samuel, there was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years. So David asked the Lord about it, and the Lord said, the famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. So I'm going to stop here for a second to, to paint a picture of what had happened. Israel was in a place where for years they had been in a famine. There had been no rain that had come upon their land. And so as David the king inquired of God, he said, what's the problem? He said, look, we had made a pact. Your nation had made a pact with the Gibeonites that you would defend them, that you would protect them, that you would look after them. But Saul, in his, in his zeal to, to wipe out enemies, ended up taking out most of the tribe. And so now because of that broken covenant, that broken promise, there was a curse on the land. So here's what it says that David did in verse 2. So the king summoned the Gibeonites. They were not part of Israel, but were all that was left of the nation of the Amorites. The people of Israel had sworn not to kill them, but Saul, in his zeal for Israel and Judah, had tried to wipe them out. David asked them, what can I do for you? How can I make amends so that you will bless the Lord's people again? Well, Money can't settle, settle this matter between us and the family of Saul, the Gibeonites replied. Neither can we demand the life of anyone in Israel. What can I do then, David asked. Just tell me and I will do it for you. They replied, it was Saul who planned to destroy us, to keep us from having any place at all in the territory of Israel. So let seven of Saul's sons be handed over to us and we will execute them before the Lord at Gibeon on the mountain of the Lord. All right, the king said, I will do it. The king spared Jonathan's son Mephibosheth, who was Saul's grandson because of the oath that David and Jonathan had sworn before the Lord. But he gave them Saul's two sons, 
Armoni and another son named Mephibosheth. You'd never think that there would be more than one Mephibosheth in the, the Bible, but there was. It's a popular name, I guess, back then. Whose mother was Rizpah, daughter of Ai. He also gave them the five sons of Saul's daughter, Merib, the wife of Adriel, son of Berzeli from Mahola. The men of Gibeon executed them on the mountain before the Lord, so all seven of them died together at the beginning of the barley harvest. What a tragedy. You see, some of these things, when I read them in the Bible, it's hard for me to understand. You know, here were young men, boys, that, that, that probably they weren't a part of all that went on, but yet, for the sake of breaking this curse, they had to give up their lives. And I can only imagine how these mothers must have felt. Well, it says here in verse 10, then Rizba, daughter of Ea, the mother of two of the men, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She, presented, she prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the day and stopped wild animals from eating them at night. When David learned what Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went to the people of Jabesh-Gilead and retrieved the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan. When the Philistines had killed Saul and Jonathan on Mount Gilboa, the people of Jabesh-Gilead stole their bodies from the public square of Bethshan where the Philistines had hung them. So David obtained the bones of Saul and Jonathan as well as the bones of the men of the Gibeonites had executed. Then the king ordered that they bury the bones in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father, at the town of Zelah in the land of Benjamin. After that, God ended the famine in the land. And after all those names, I think I, I, I don't, I don't want to say them anymore. <laughs> so what, was, what really was happening here? Well, we see some very interesting things that Rizpah ended up doing that show the heart of a mother. You see, one of the things that I know about moms is they're incredibly fierce for their kids. Incredibly fierce. Did you know that the name Rizba actually means a hot coal or hot stone? She was a fireball. She was a fighter. And here's what we see here. Even though her sons were dead, she was with their bodies day and night for the whole barley season shooing away the birds at night and chasing away the animals at the day because she wasn't going to allow anybody to get to her children. There was a tenacity in her spirit to defend what remained of her kids. And did you know this, that the barley season lasted, the harvest lasted between six to eight weeks. This was not just a few nights hanging out. This was two months of her standing vigilantly for her children who were no longer alive. She had a tenacity. For many years, I worked with youth in our church. And one of the few things that I feared was a mother who felt that one of her children was not being treated fairly. I did not look forward to those phone calls I one time had a mother call my house, now listen to this, call my house and threaten to tear my eyeballs out <laughs> because she was unhappy with the decision I made that had affected her daughter. This was a bit intense. She was intense. 
You see, there's just a fierceness in moms when it comes to their children. That mother bear, I'm going to protect you at all costs. I'm going to be with you at all costs. I remember when my son Isaac was born, because he had a heart defect, we had to go up to Edmonton, and he was born in a hospital up there. But what was crazy about this whole experience was this. The children's hospital is not a place where women can give birth to their children. You actually have to give birth at another hospital that that specializes that. And so if you can picture this, 30 minutes after my son was born, he was taken out of his mother's arms, put in an ambulance, and transported to another hospital. It was a very uh, heartbreaking moment and situation in our lives. And I remember when, when we were going through this that I could see very quickly uh, this wasn't going to be something that was going to last long because my wife was literally crawling the walls. In fact, I think she might have removed her own IV and discharged herself from the hospital because there was nothing that was going to keep her from getting to her newborn baby son. Ladies, you can relate to what I'm talking about here, can't you? You see, there was a fierceness. I also remember hearing my mom's prayers for my sister and I when I was growing up. I remember her when we were at that stages in our life where maybe we weren't sure about our faith or we hadn't quite come to that place of recognizing Jesus as the Lord of our life. I can still, in my mind, hear her praying and crying out to God. She was intense. Those prayers were real, and I realized how much she cared for me. My point here today is to encourage you, to exhort you, don't give up in praying for your children. Don't let go of your children at any time. Don't let anybody tell you it's too late or they're too old or you can't believe God for them to change or that things are not gonna ever be the way that they are, that somehow you've failed as a mom. I'm telling you, keep praying, keep believing, quit, keep pushing, do not give up. The second thing that showed the heart, her heart as a mom was that she was able to look past the problems. You see, what's amazing about this is when, if you've ever been around anything that has died, uh, it doesn't take very long for it to become a little bit foul. I mean, I remember as a kid that one time we had this incredibly st- terrible odor that was coming from a corner of our house and we ended up discovering that there had been a mouse that had died and it was just rotting in our house. It was an awful smell. Now, I've never experienced this when it comes to a human body, but I've heard that when they're decaying, it is just one of the most foul things that you can smell. But here was Rizpa standing there being with her kids, believing that that just to push back whatever was going to harm them. She didn't care about the smell. She only cared about who they were, their lifeless bodies. Why am I sharing this today? Well, the truth is this. Kids can be stinky and sometimes can be stinkers. From dirty diapers to rotten attitudes... They're not always pleasant to be around. Am I speaking the truth here? 
You see, however, there's something incredibly special about a mother's love. It can see right through the filth. It can look at us. It can look at, we can be seen in our worst moments, and there's something about a mother that just says, I see something good in you. I believe in you. I believe that God has better things for your life. I love to say this, a mom believes you can do better, but will love you when you don't. There's something powerful about unconditional love. We crave it, we need it, but we usually find it in the love and the belief of our moms. I remember when I was in Bible college, I was at a stage in my life where I was a long ways Uh, I was away from my family. My family was doing different things. And I was at a point in my life, not that I had questioning God's love for me, but I was just kind of questioning whether God really wanted to use me in any type of ministry or place. And I remember in my second year of Bible college that I ended up helping in the first semester in children's ministry. Well, the lady that ran this department and did all the training happened to be the pastor of the church. Uh, just dear people to Pastor Ron and Karen. Uh, it was Sister Edie Iverson. She was the lady that was in charge. And for whatever reason, in this place where I felt maybe in my college classes, in my school, I wasn't really being uh, recognized for anything, from the moment I came into that ministry, it was like I could tell that she believed that there was something good in my life. And I remember that she would call me to pray. She'd call me to lead. She'd call me to do different things. And for the next two years, you see, I only had to serve in that area for six months, but I spent the next two years helping in this area because I felt such love and encouragement from her. Well, many years later, my wife and I were being set in as youth pastors here in this church. And lo and behold, it was Pastor Dick Iverson and Sister Edie that came and were at our dedication. And I remember sitting in uh, Pastor Ron and Karen's house as we were having a get-together afterwards, and she looked at me from across the room, and she said, you know what, I always knew you were going to make it. I always knew you would make it. You see, that's the love not only that moms have for us, it's the love that God has for us. You see, I believe that when we see unconditional love in in people around us, it helps us to understand how much God cares about us, how much God believes in us, that when we don't even believe in ourselves, when we're giving up on ourselves, there's a belief that we can be better than what we are today. I think each one of us, as we go through this week, need to Remember to be thankful for those people who encourage us, who pour into us and take time to thank God for his unconditional love. The last thing I want to share about Rizpah that was, I thought was interesting was that she was always available. She was always there. Day after day, week after week, through the whole harvest season, she was there looking after her children's bodies. You see, I believe for her it was a small price to pay to be with her boys, maybe for one last time. She didn't know when things were going to change, but she knew that at one point they would. She was there. She was available for whatever might happen. 
And here's what's really cool about this story. Because of her presence and her persistence and her being here, it caught the attention of the king. And the king all of a sudden was like, look, we need to do something about this. And so he arranged for some of his prime soldiers to go and retrieve the seven bodies of these sons who were former sons of the king Saul. And he made sure that Jonathan and Saul's bones and all of them were were given the honor that they were deserved as rulers of the nation and as just people that were a part of the royal heritage and lineage and they were given the the burial that, that, that brought honor to them. You see, I believe that many times that, that, that when we are willing to do what God's called us to do and we hang in there for our kids, we hang in there for people, I say this to you moms, that it gets the attention of our king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, God Almighty. And that he hears your cries, he hears your voice, he understands what you're saying, uh, what you're asking him for. And I just say it again, don't give up. But I'm also reminded of how often my mom made herself available to me. The timely phone calls, the encouraging conversations, the trips north to visit my family. My mom has had such a big impact on my life. And I believe this, as you go forward, remember to make time for those who have always made time for you. You see, the greatest gift we can give someone, and I think I speak for most of the ladies here in this room, is not just flowers or gifts, those things are nice, but the gift of ourselves and our time is what most mothers want from their children, what most mothers want from the people around them. I'm so thankful today that God has not given up on me and that he always has time for me. I'm gonna invite Margot to come up here today. I believe today that God wants to bless each one of you here today. I want to pray a blessing today on all of the ladies here. For those who God is, who are, who are moms to people, those who are moms-to-be, for those who have a desire to, to, to be moms in the future, God loves you and he cares for you. And I want to speak a blessing today. For those of you who reach out to people who don't have moms in their life, I want to encourage you today to keep doing that, to keep moving forward, to keep being that blessing, that example of unconditional love to the people around you. Father, I pray today for every woman that's here, Lord, that you would bless them. Lord, that you would pour out your goodness and your grace upon their life. Father God, that you would fill them, Lord, with just more strength and more energy, Father God, that you would give them more life, Jesus. Lord, I pray here for the different stages of life. I I pray for those those women right now that have little ones that are running around their, their houses, that are making messes and getting into things. And Lord, sometimes it can be frustrating and exhilarating at the same time. Jesus, I ask you today that you would fill them up with your strength. Lord, that you'd pour your life into them. Lord, that they would see themselves not as just babysitters, but Lord, as guiding the future leaders and champions that are going to be the ones who change Canada and this land that we live in today. 
Lord, I pray for those that are in the age where their kids are teenagers and sometimes they're not always kind and nice and the attitudes can sometimes be stinky, Lord. God, I pray that you'd give them a grace and a strength, Lord, to keep pushing through and pushing forward, Father God, that you'd endow them with wisdom and, Lord, your grace and your mercy. Lord, for those whose kids are not doing what they should be doing, Lord, I pray there would be a persistence and that fire and that fierceness would not go out inside of their hearts. Lord, that you'd give them more of your strength. Lord, for those who are maybe a bit older and they have children that have walked away from you, Jesus, who are not serving you. Lord God, I pray that you would, Lord, just touch their hearts. You would touch the hearts of their kids. Lord, that you would touch those prodigals, Father God. Lord, that you would bring those, them to a place of acknowledging your grace and your goodness. Father, I pray for all of the prayers that have been prayed, Father. Lord, that you would hear them. Lord, that you would, your heart would be moved by them. And Lord, that we would see the altars of this church filled with those who are returning to Christ, those who are acknowledging that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, help every man, woman, and child here to not quit praying and quit believing. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless them today. Lord, I pray for those who have a desire to be a mom. Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would open their eyes to see the people around them that they can love. But Lord, I pray for supernatural acts of you opening the womb, Father God. Lord, that we would see those that have not been able to get pregnant. Lord, that you would make a way for them today. God, that you would make a way for them to experience this joy, Father God. Lord, I thank you for your blessing today. And I praise you today, God, for your goodness and your kindness.